Reading comes from Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 15 to 31. And it's titled, Idolatry Forbidden. You saw no form of any kind the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the fire. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully, so that you, don't, you do not become corrupt and make for yourselves an idol, an image of any shape, whether formed like a man or a woman, or like any animal on earth, or any bird that flies in the air, or like any creature that moves along the ground, or any fish in the waters below. And when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshipping things the Lord your God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven. But as for you, the Lord took you and brought you out of the iron-smelting furnace, out of Egypt, to be the people of his inheritance, as you now are. The Lord was angry with me because of you, and he solemnly swore that I would not cross the Jordan and enter the good land the Lord your God is giving you as your inheritance. I will die in this land. I will not cross the Jordan. But you are about to cross over and take possession of that good land. Be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. After you have had children and grandchildren and have lived in the land a long time, if you then become corrupt and make any kind of idol, doing evil in the eyes of the Lord your God and provoking him to anger, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you this day that you will quickly perish from the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. You will not live there long, but will certainly be destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and only a few of you will survive among the nations to which the Lord will drive you. There you will worship man-made gods of wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or eat or smell. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things have happened to you, then in later days you will return to the Lord your God and obey him. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your forefathers, which he confirmed to them by oath. Mark chapter 3 verses 20 to 35. The first part is Jesus and Beelzebub. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebub. By the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So Jesus called them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided... He cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions 
unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. I tell you the truth, all the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. How long are we here for? Really, both of those passages, well, the three of them you could say, you can truly make a week or so sermon out of it, each of them. And they're really great passages. Let's just bow in prayer for a moment. Loving Father, we thank and praise you for your word. We pray that you will continue to guide us by your spirit as you lead us deeper into your truths. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The passage I chose this morning is from Deuteronomy. One little verse. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. You know it's the story about Moses and he's led the people out of Egypt on towards the promised land. And it's here that Moses speaks to the people. And it's here that he talks about this one little verse, this covenant that God swore to them. But there are many covenants within Scripture. So which is the covenant that God is talking about? The covenant he made with Noah in Genesis chapter 6. But I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons, your wife and your sons' wives with you. A great covenant. Or was it the second covenant that he gave to Noah? Behold, I will establish my covenant with you and with your offspring after you. This is the sign of the covenant that I make between you and me and every living creature that is within. For all future generations, I have set my bow, the rainbow that we see, I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. 
When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant. That is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. We know it still happens in certain parts of the world today. In one area where where Diane and I lived, in the Kimberley, there was one such river called the Fitzroy River. It used to flood almost the size of Victoria. And I think Victoria is twice the size of England. So, you know, it's a big country. When it rains, it rains. Big storms. But God says he will never destroy all flesh again. Now, we've got to remember the covenants I'm mentioning at the present time are all before Moses. So there's another covenant, the covenant between Abraham and God. And he says, and I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonours you I will curse. And in you all families of the earth shall be blessed. You're part of that covenant. It was a covenant of faith. Well, Once again in Genesis... On the day the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, to your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. Then again we could say it could be the covenant between God and Isaac. We're going down through the ages now. But it's a confirmation of a covenant that was made to Abraham and to Jacob. He says, I am the Lord Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you. The kings shall come from your own body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you. You know... If we keep on going, it's already been said, I could be here till four o'clock, but we're not. Trust me, we're not, we're not going to be here till four o'clock unless you want to be, you know. So, you know, we could continue through Joseph and through Moses again and God's covenant with Israel at Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19, in Exodus chapter 20, the covenant he made to Joshua, God's promise to be with him, And all through the Old Testament, we see what is called the faithful remnant. You are part of that faithful remnant. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've been filled with his spirit, you are part of that faithful remnant. There are people right from this time that we're talking about in Moses, all through the Old Testament, And you can find 
that there are the faithful remnant, those who always turn back to God, those who follow God. Now we could also argue that these are all Old Testament covenants. Don't we live in New Testament times? We live this side, might I say, of the cross. And the answer can only be yes. They are, and yes, we do live in New Testament times and this side of the cross. However, there's always this big however. However, and there is always this however, isn't God eternal? What do we read here? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever. God is never changing. He is the divine constancy. That is unchangeable. He is constant. It's uniformity in nature, value, extent, etc., regularity and stability. God is immutable and God is omnipresent, present in all places at the same time. Do we know this? And do we really believe it in our hearts? You know, Scripture tells us, Scripture tells us to love your enemies, to love your neighbour. Do you do that because Scripture tells you so? Or do you do it because you do love your enemies and your neighbours, just as Jesus loved his enemies and his neighbours. You know, it's something that we need to think about. Do we really know this in our hearts? Do you take God at his word Or for that matter, do you recognise God speaking? Remember Samuel, back in the Old Testament times again. And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, Samuel heard the voice of God calling, but he didn't understand. And he goes and talks to Eli. And it took the experience of Eli to guide him in the right way, to listen to the voice. So do you listen to the voice of God? God continues to speak to his people. So let us leave the Old Testament and enter the New. In the very beginning, we see the Lamb of God being recognised. Firstly by John, And then by Andrew. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. 
How did he know? The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Why did they leave John and follow Jesus? Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? (coughs) And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him all that day. For it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah. He's taking the experience of John and carrying it through now to his brother. And he brought Simon Peter to Jesus. We talk here not of a covenant, but of recognition. And this is right. But it is recognition of the Messiah, the Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. The one who made that first covenant. We talk of Jesus who came to that which was his own. He came to his own as John tells us and his own people did not receive him. Do we receive him? It's something we need to go right into. In Jesus we see the attributes of God. He is the very image of the living God. I am the father of one, he says. Before Abraham was, I am, Jesus says. In Jesus we see the promise of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus we see the new covenant being poured out. And a little bit later on, we'll go through those motions. He took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, took bread. Not after supper. He took bread and he broke it and shared it with his disciples. This is the new covenant that's been given to us by God and by Jesus. Do we recognise this? Or is it just a lump of bread and a bit of wine? What happens when we receive the bread and the wine? Does it do something to you? If it doesn't, Think of your walk with God. You're being 
revived again. He's feeding you. It's something spiritual that takes place and yet they're physical things that we're, we're taking. The covenant is fulfilled in the cross. And there are so many who speak lightly of the event that took place a little over 2,000 years ago. But those who believe in their hearts, as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10, God has granted them eternal life. God has said that they will be saved. And as Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you call on the name of the Lord? Who is Jesus to you? It's a question I've asked many people. Who is Jesus to you? Well, he died on the cross. Yep. He's the Son of God. Yep. He's the Saviour of the world. Yep. Is He Lord of your life? Is He Lord of your life? Everything you do, everything you say, would you do in front of Jesus? Is He Lord of your life? A lot of people don't understand this. You know, there's, there's a, two questions that I've asked for many, many years. It's been two questions that have been passed down by a number of ministers. When I was here in, um, a few weeks ago at Lim, a minister came along to take the service and he asked one of the questions. He didn't ask the second one. <clears throat> Do you know what the two questions are? Let me say, the first one. If you were to die today, do you know for certain that you'd go to heaven? Yep, I do. You knock on the door of heaven and God says, why should I allow you into my heaven? Do you know the answer? What are you going to say? Well, I've been a good person, I haven't killed anyone, haven't robbed anyone lately, haven't spoken bad about people for a long while. I go to church regularly and God says, not good enough, not good enough. So what do you say? And if you can't answer that second question in about three words, three little words, which means so much, then you need to go back to the first one. If you were to die tonight, do you know for certain, that, without a shadow of a doubt, that you would go to heaven? My answer is yes. I do know for certain. And I know that there's a number of people who know this. And you could probably say, yes, I know this. Well, why do you know it? How do you know it? 
you know what the answer is? Can anyone say the answer? If you get it wrong, don't worry. I'll give you the answer in a moment. <laughs> Pardon? Well, that's it. It's sort of, yeah. You're right. No, you're right. You are right. <clears throat> Christ died for me. Christ died for me. You know, if you were the only person in the world, Christ would have died for you. That's how much love he has for you. But we don't know this. We, a lot of people don't re- realise this. So if you were to die tonight, yes, you would go to heaven. Now, there's a lot of people don't even understand, how do you know I'm going to go to heaven? Scripture tells us so. I've just read out one little verse from Romans. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It is a positive statement. It's a covenant that God's made between you and him. You believe in my son, you will be saved. That famous verse, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but might have eternal life. No, it doesn't say that. Will have eternal life. It's a positive statement. For the wages of sin might be death. No, 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 no. For the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So we've got to look at the positive statements in Scripture and understand them, believe them. Being a Christian is not easy. And God said it wouldn't be easy. God never told you that there was going to be a bed of roses. But God has promised that he would never leave us. He has given us the Holy Spirit of, to dwell within us and to guide us. Do you have the Holy Spirit within you? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to all. But God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape. What is that way of escape? And it's none other than the Holy Spirit of God. And He will lead you. He will help you to endure it. 
in Hebrews chapter 13. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And we can continue on with all these verses of assurance. People usually leave God in hard times. The loss of a loved one, in the case of young ones that go astray from God, they leave the straight and narrow and enter the wide, fast moving road to destruction. I've spoken on promise, on covenant, on an unchangeable God. However, this same God demands obedience. I've said that God will never let you go. Yet there can be a time when he will do so. Don't believe that? Well, let me tell you. We read it this morning about the unpardonable sin or blasphemy of the Holy Spirit of God. In Matthew chapter 12, Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. So there are many thoughts on what this is. However, one theory has a single thread and appears throughout the Bible. And it's hardness of heart leading to inseparable spiritual loss. In Psalm 36 verse 12 we read, There the evildoers lie fallen. They are thrust down unable to rise. In Proverbs, therefore calamity will come upon them and in a moment he will be broken beyond healing. Or in Luke, and besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. You've heard the story of Lazarus and that's how it's been. In Hebrews chapter 10 we read, for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. So we need to be careful. 
We need to follow God, remaining true to him. God loves each and every one of us. God has said it and I believe it. Temptation may come. Hard times may come. Sickness may come. And even the death of a loved one may happen. Can we be like Joseph? Sold into slavery, yet trusting in God? Can we be like David, tormented and chased by Saul, losing his firstborn son, yet trusting in God? Can we be like Job, who lost all he had, yet trusted God? Can we be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abagnino, who were thrown into the blazing furnace, yet trusting God? Can we be like Jesus at Gethsemane, praying earnestly with drops of blood, my Father, if this cannot pass, unless I drink it, your will be done. In Mark he said, Abba Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And finally, in Hebrews chapter 12, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We live by faith. Faith in the one who is faithful himself, none other than God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and of our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. We sing that wonderful hymn, To God Be the Glory. What happened? Did I do something? <laughs> God is faithful. He will never leave you. If you put your trust and faith in him, you'll go through hard times. But if you're walking hand in hand with God, you will walk through them. In one of the regions that Diane and I lived in and ministered in, it was called the Kimberley of Western Australia. It's right up in the north, some 2,000 miles from Perth. 
It's an area that people go to get away from something. It's a beautiful area. It really is. It's the same area where we met Dave and Sue Eden. But many people go to the Kimberley and they leave God behind. They don't go to church on Sunday. They're too busy looking at the Kimberley, the vastness of it, the beauty of it. It is an absolutely glorious place. It's hot. And so when you go to the Kimberley, there's not just you and your wife and family, if you have one, that go. But there's got to be someone extra to keep you there. And that's none other than Jesus. And when you're faithful to him, he will remain faithful to you. We ministered in the Kimberley for ten and a half years. It is a tough area. People would take photos of some, maybe some scene and it might have had a person in the foreground and that person would turn their back because they don't want to have their photo taken. It might end up in the hands of the law somewhere. You don't know. There are many people up there who grow long beards, long hair and so on. just to get away from things. And so it's one of those tough areas that you minister in. But you've got them here, in the cities. Liverpool, Birmingham, Leeds, London, might I say Warrington, might I say Manchester. What city do you want me to mention? And they're tough times. And whenever you visit someone, you need to take Jesus with you and let him be your companion in all things. He will never leave you. His word says so. And so on. Now, I've said so much. Before we close in prayer at the moment, are there any questions that someone would like to ask? And don't be afraid of asking a question. If you want to know something, if I mention something, you want to ask something, just come forth, ask. Yes. There's always hope. 
Let me turn it on myself, right? Or ourselves. We have five sons. They have all been brought up in the church. They, 1970, and in 1976 I entered the full-time ministry. So they've all been brought up within the church. One of them is an Anglican minister in Australia. One of them. The others know God. They say, they pray. I've yet to hear them. Right? But I have faith that God will bring them through in the end. Now there's nothing really I can do to make that happen except pray for them. I never Bible bash them because I love them. I love them so much. And there's nothing more that I want them to be in the kingdom with us. But once again, it's all up to God. And we have to put our faith and trust in him. And if you are faithful and continually pray for your family, you, know, you may be able to drop a word in every now and then. Every, every now and then when we visit our sons, we never, we never bring the topic up. It might sound strange, you know. But the topic always comes up. <laughs> they always say something. And a great conversation is had. One of our sons went and visited the minister, uh, my son, the minister. And they had a fabulous weekend. Nothing was said except for when the one that isn't with God spoke to my other son, his brother. And a great conversation was had from the both of them. So never give up hope. God is faithful. I am not saying that they'll be in heaven. I am not saying that my sons will be in heaven. My prayer is, yes, they will, and I believe that God is faithful and will get them there. But that's my belief. My belief. And we've got to be faithful to them. You know, to the young people here, there are some who say, I'm a Christian. And then they get themselves a boyfriend or a girlfriend who's a non-Christian. But they say, yeah, well, they'll change. They'll change. They don't, it's not normal that they do change. Some do, but usually it works the other way. And the Christian stops going to church. Don't underestimate the power of Satan. 
He is a powerful man. But God is more powerful. And that's who we're going to put our faith in. Did I answer anything or not? Did a roundabout way? Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's not easy to be a great comment. To be until four o'clock, we can answer a bit better. <laughs> it's great. Now I've gone on. Really, have gone on a long while. He's agreeing with me. <laughs> You're right. You're right. So let's continue our worship. But let us pray. Loving Father, we thank and praise you for this day. Once again, we thank and praise you for our fellowship and sharing together. We thank you for your word. And now we pray that you will guide us in what we have listened this day. That we will continue to meditate upon your word. Reading your word and following your ways. So guide us by your spirit. For we ask it in your Son's name. Amen.